0: Support the podcast by buying a copy of The Shadline Rises by me, Eric Kent Edstrom. It's available from Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and Apple Books. You can also find it in paperback. Chapter 38. Her Enlightened's Kiss The cell in the west bunk was a five-pace-by-five-pace shell. There was a wooden bunk, no padding. A lidded bucket stood in the corner. Moldy rushes were strewn about the floor, and they stank. Tim Hamlickton paced back and forth, fists clenched in his effort to contain his growing panic. It wasn't execution, he feared. That he welcomed. No, it was being locked up here. Trapped. He'd rather they execute him immediately. The fearsome woman who had spoken his death sentence, which he saw as a reprieve, had broken the old man's hold on Tim's mind, for that gift alone he'd offer a lifetime of devotion. But the release did not provide as much relief as he'd hoped. It had brought forth all of the hateful things the old man had made him do. The murders along the journey from Serenhell to Starside, the tortures the other unspeakable abuses he had committed. He relived each one as if witnessing the events as a spectator. What he saw horrified him, not just the crimes themselves, but his own carnal delight in the moment. He'd resisted each time. He knew he had to, but now, in the clarity following his release from the Hargus control, He admitted that each time the resistance had been less. He knew animals had viciousness inside them, a necessary quality in the wild world where survival required ruthlessness. He had not known such was inside himself. But perhaps every man hid animal violence deep in his heart. Perhaps it was only the regulation of good moral upbringing or maybe just the expectations of his fellow man that kept those unthinking lusts submerged. Odd, then, that the most powerful man Tim had ever met, the Hargath, had sought to release such impulses through Tim. The old man had spoken so much of till, of righteous order. Why, then, unleash animal chaos on the world? The only conclusion Tim could reach was that the Hargath was a hypocrite, that he was more consumed with carnal lusts than most, and that his ultimate aim was not to curb such things, but to unbridle them. Already Starside was infected with fear. How much worse would it become when all of its citizens behaved like cornered badgers? Fortunately for Tim, he would be dead. A rattle and clatter came from the hall. Other prisoners moaned as their uneasy slumbers were disturbed by the racket. Heavy boots clumped closer, accompanied by the jangle of armor. They were coming for him, at last. Tim smiled. There would be pain, more than he could bear, no doubt. But at the end of it, peace. The guard was accompanied by the commander of the watch, Captain Latishki, a rotund man in regal uniform featuring many gold buttons and medals on his red jacket, an impressive array of whiskers thrust from his lip and lower face. I have recalled something important, Tim said. A woman named Weiss went to the baz. She's a danger to the Merculans there. Bring him, Captain Latishki said. Tim was taken to a room that looked like a spare officer's quarters. Bed, lantern, wash basin, and mirror. Wash! Put on those clothes! Letishki pointed at a shirt and pants. Black. The guard did not give Tim privacy as he stripped and scrubbed the prison grime from his skin. Tim avoided his own reflection. No need to see the face that would soon be slack in death. The fabric of the clothes was good, sturdy. It was new-made, with creases from having been folded while still hot from drying by a fire. He was not provided shoes. A meal was brought, coarse bread, meaty stew, good food, likely what the watch ate, a cup of wine. He ate it all, taking delight in each swallow. The air outside was cold and damp, A light drizzle added moisture to the slush. Tim was put into the back of a wagon, the sides and top made of iron bars, a cage on wheels. He was about to be paraded. The shirt was none too thick. The chill clung to him. As the wagon trundled from the gate of the West Bunk Fortress, it joined a procession of men on horse. They were in their parade uniform burnished breastplate, plumed helms, serious eyes. The horses clomped at a steady pace, the nostrils sending forth plumes as their heads swung side to side. Their decorative bridles and festoons of red cloth gave them a festive air. The only words spoken were the sharp, brief orders of commanders as the horses fell in with the wagon. They descended past Grissonside Great Houses, where servants who had not been released to attend the execution were allowed out to watch him pass. A few called him villain and murderer and other darker things. He accepted their disgust and hatred as his due. The procession was joined by an ornate carriage, drawn by rare white atlans. The bird's plumes hung limply from the damp, But their alert eyes and curved beaks seemed to challenge the skies. Their strong legs and huge talons drew the vehicle alongside Tim's wagon. A curtain drew back in the door facing him. An elderly woman wearing a jeweled headpiece peered at him. He didn't recognize the woman, but knew she had to be a high sensual. Perhaps the voluptuary herself. And then they were through the Trialty Arch and plowing through an enormous crowd of spectators. Faces jeered at him, fists shook, roars of hatred and curses crashed against him like indomitable waves of the sea. The great bell of the abbey tolled, clang, a pause of fifteen seconds, clang, repeating the slow cadence of his march toward death. Tim had never seen so many people in one place. There was not a bare patch of stone, and the surrounding rooftops were clogged with youngsters and rascals. They waved their caps at him, faces bright with the joy of hatred. The wagon stopped before a huge wooden platform. The guard unlocked his cage, and he climbed down. It seemed odd that his hands and feet weren't chained. It would be just, he thought, to be restrained before this crowd. But unnecessary, for where would he run? A line of sour-faced guards, whip-axes on their shoulders, lined a narrow walkway to the stairs of the platform. Even could he break through their ranks, the crowd would be more than pleased to rip him apart. His legs betrayed him as he climbed the steps, the strength of muscle that had propelled him up mountains and through high passes and along his trap loop suddenly gave out. His guard caught his elbow and jerked him upright. Not of that now, the fellow said. He was Tim's age, weathered and scarred. Walk your last steps as a man. The admonishment was a mercy to him, and it gave him strength. The guard knew he was a vile murderer, But he still saw the scared animal inside Tim, and in seeing it, decided not to add to his suffering. He was guided to the post, a thick trunk of pine stripped of bark. Spine pressed to the post. He was commanded to spread his feet apart to where they were bound to iron rings mounted in the deck of the platform. Two shorter posts thrust up a foot behind him, left and right, to these, each wrist was fastened, he was spread before the hating crowd, vulnerable to their calls, their spit, and thrown bottles. Most of the last were deflected by guards before they struck him. The spectators grew more excited as the old woman from the carriage ascended the steps. She was soon joined by a dontsmaster descended from the cathedral to his right. The man was flanked by nine more dontsmasters. He must be Highest Benel. Finally, a thin, severe woman emerged from the crowd. She wore white and the medallion of the Way of Paul. The guards let her pass as she came onto the platform. The coin. Captain Letishki spoke with each new arrival, kneeling once to accept blessings from Highest Benel. Finely dressed men, radiance, Tim thought, came up to join the leaders of the ways. The crowd now chanted, Justice! Justice! Burn him! Burn him slow! came another round. Tarek Pitoro arrived. He kept his head down as he swept up to the platform. A guard tried to hold him back, but Highest Benel interceded on his behalf. The radiance did not look best pleased to have a mere merchant joining them. The looked pale as he flashed unreadable looks at Tim. The crowd fell silent as a column of slow-marching soldiers emerged from the Trialti Arch. The fell guard, so tall, so regal, each carried a spear topped with the long steel point called Her Enlightened's Kiss. Quiet murmurs of awe rose as they passed. Tim soon discovered why— Her enlightened walked at the center of their protective column. By comparison, she looked like a child, but with her shoulders back, face serene, and stride almost a perfect glide, she radiated supreme authority. She wore a black cloak of sable, the edges fringed with gray. Each stride fluttered the hem, exposing black boots and a flash of blue trousers a stunning tiara of blue and white jewels rested atop her hair, a dark mane that spilled like ink over her shoulders. Not one scoundrel offered a jeer or off-color remark. Instead, all removed their caps, all bowed or dipped a knee. Many murmured her title, faces so rapt the masters must surely be enraged for none looked so devoted during their Tills day services. Tim's eyes blurred as grateful tears rose. He was not a citizen of Starside, yet he loved her completely. She had saved him even as she had condemned him. She topped the stairs and nodded to Hyas Espinel, the voluptuary, and the coin. A man emerged from among the fell guard, one nobody had noted because all attention had been on the monarch, Marlowe. He scaled the steps and listened to her whispered command, and he nodded. Her enlightened raised her hands slightly, like a choir master preparing her singers. The crowd took in a collective breath and seemed to hold it. Then she lowered her hands, and they let it out, and with that gesture the rage of the crowd drained away. In its place was the solemnity of a funeral. A few folks dabbed at their eyes. Tim's murcus spark was weak, but he felt the woman take hold of her power. It magnified her voice as she spoke. Flex, son, Rathman, please come to me. One of the men of the watch broke from the ranks below and marched up the steps. His children's blood was on Tim's hands and his mother's. The man was trying to keep his face expressionless, but color rose in his cheeks. His eyes held the hollowness of grief. The monarch greeted him at the top of the steps. Her voice did not carry, nor did his short responses. Despite his loss... He gave quick bows with every other word. Tim suspected he was grateful to her enlightened for the chance to wreak vengeance on Tim. She drew a dirk from her belt, handed it to the man. He took it, eyed the slim silver blade. She placed a hand on his shoulder and encouraged him to approach Tim. The woman's silence dropped. It had to have been seen and then her voice rose all around the plaza. The city's justice! Rathman approached. In his hand, the dirk trembled.